The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. at CNBC Global Headquarters, and here is your top five at five. Fed is shocking off, or just more of the same easy money policy. We're setting you up for the big Fed day ahead. A tale of two techs after record-breaking quarters from Google and Microsoft, but only one is getting hit hard in the pre-market. 100 days in, and President Biden set to speak before Congress tonight. The goal? Spending trillions more on new programs. But will even some Democrats push back on the tax hikes that want to pay for it? Apple reportedly slashing production for what once was one of the fastest-growing product lines as the competition turns up to 11. And call it the epic tidal wave of inflation. From cars to coffee. We have got a list of nearly everything that is up in price, and you are going to want to see this. It's your RBI on this Wednesday, April 28th, and this is Worldwide Exchange on CNBC. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome from wherever in the world that you may be watching. I am Brian Sullivan. Thank you very much for joining us and starting your day. Well, today is really all about two things, the Federal Reserve and more earnings. Now, nobody expects Jay Powell and company to change much. If anything, certainly they're not going to change interest rates, right? In fact, the futures market says it does not expect an interest rate hike from the Fed, that is, not the bond market, until 2023. And the markets have been slow, as you may have noticed this week ahead of this. And futures doing the same thing today. They are flat to maybe slightly down in the Dow, slightly higher in the S&P, Everybody waiting on the Fed. Kind of the same story with the bond market. Ten-year yields, they've been stuck the last couple of weeks, right around 1.6, right about 1.64 right now. And if you are worried about inflation, and more are, here is a tip. Check out tips. Treasury Inflation Protected Securities. Tips. You've probably heard a lot about them lately. Now, one big one that's an ETF that mirrors tips is the SCHP. It is a Schwab U.S. Tips ETF. Look at that little pop off the April lows. It tracks inflation. And if you want to know what the market thinks about inflation, well, watch those as well. Or watch our RBI toward the end of the show. It's got a list of everything that is up at record or near record highs in prices. Well, there are two big stock stories this morning. Names you know. Google reporting huge beats on both the top and the bottom lines in the first quarter. And check this out. Google is also beginning a new $50 billion stock buyback, one of the biggest we have ever seen or ever heard about. YouTube's ad revenue up 50% year on year as everybody's sitting at home and telling their kids, don't bother me, watch the iPad. Overall, ad sales up 34% to $55 billion. Google's YouTube is closing in on being as big as Netflix. Think about that. And then there is Microsoft. It is being hit in the pre-market despite beating on sales, earnings, and guidance. Stock's down 2%. 
Revenue coming in at $41.7 billion, up 19% year over year. And hardware sales also coming in higher than expected. The problem, cloud sales. It's Azure platform and others were flat. Investors were hoping to see a little more growth. All right, let's switch gears out of stocks and head to D.C. Because it's all ahead of President Biden's big address to Congress tonight, his first as president. What can we expect as he tries to sell the country and maybe members of his own party on his American families plan? Elon Moy joining us now with more. Elon, good morning. What can we expect tonight? Well, good morning, Brian. President Biden will deliver his first address to a joint session of Congress tonight and announce a new $1.8 trillion package of spending and tax cuts aimed at working families and paid for by the wealthy. The American Families Plan is split into about a trillion dollars in spending over the next decade, including $200 billion for universal preschool, $109 billion for two years of free community college, and $225 billion for a national paid family leave program. Now, this proposal also covers $800 billion in tax cuts, including making the larger earned income and dependent care credits permanent, but only extending the bigger child tax credit through 2025. Now, the White House says it can raise enough taxes from high-income households to fully pay for this package over the next 15 years. Among the increases that the administration will call for, restoring the top individual income rate to 39.6%. Taxing capital gains as ordinary income for households making over a million dollars, ending step-up basis for gains over a million, and eliminating the like-kind exchange for real estate gains over $500,000. White House officials called this plan part of the core of Biden's domestic agenda, and tonight the president will frame this as an investment in American workers and the economy of the future. But administration officials do know this plan will have to go through the ringer on Capitol Hill. For example, one thing that it does not mention is the cap on state and local tax deductions. But, Brian, the White House said it is eager to get input from lawmakers. Back over to you. Okay, there is a lot to unpack there. A lot of things on tax hikes, as we have talked about a lot. A lot of the tax hikes that are proposed are probably going to hit those in the states that are heavily occupied by wealthier Democrats. New York. New Jersey, Massachusetts, California, Maryland. What has been the early reception among some powerful Democrats, particularly that cap on state and local tax deductions, which, if you remove it, then just puts a dent in the spending and the pay-for-it plans? Well, certainly there is some bipartisan push to uh, end that cap on state and local tax deductions. But one of the interesting dynamics here is that the lawmakers, the senators from some of the states that you mentioned, those are the ones pushing Biden to go even bigger on this package. So what you're finding is that um, those Democrats representing some of the high tax states, they are more progressive. They wanted Biden to make the child tax credit permanent. They wanted a bigger investment in child care. They wanted to include changes to Medicare and who is eligible at what age. We're not really hearing those types of complaints from the constituents in, say, West Virginia, which Joe Manchin uh, represents, when he's one of the key swing votes and it will be crucial in getting anything that President Biden once passed on Capitol Hill. So what we're seeing is that Biden is being pulled really in two ways here. The progressives are going to say, let's make this even bigger than the $1.8 trillion that you've proposed. And the moderates are going to say, hey, hold on a minute. We've got to make sure this is paid for. And by the way, do we even need to spend that much money to begin with? 
Well, it's a battle of words, too, is it not, Alon? Because you've got things like we want to make sure that children are taken care of, that working mothers have the ability to not have just a couple of weeks off. I mean, those are things that anybody with a family would say, this is just just seems like the right thing to do. But the Republicans will also push back on and say, hey, wait a minute, your earned income tax credit is actually just a universal basic income in disguise, effectively cash payments for children. There's a lot of nuance to the language that our viewers and others need to understand that is behind just the headlines because each side is going to use words and the way they frame things to, uh, nothing new by the way, to any of our audience out there, to try to sell it. There's a lot more in here than meets the eye. Well, that's right. A lot of these priorities are ones that Democrats have been pushing for for a long time. And another sort of dynamic that we're seeing develop is that the way that they've envisioned the social safety net and also the way to get this done through a fast track reconciliation process is to do this through the tax code, to do this in a way uh, that focuses on direct payments to families, because that is a way that Democrats feel uh, gives families the most flexibility. But it's also the way that they can use the processes of the complicated legislative process of the Senate in order to get this passed. Alon Moy, NDC, all ahead of tonight, the Biden big Congress congressional address. Alon, we're glad you're here for us. Thank you. Have a great day. Take care. Well, as we just mentioned, the president's address to Congress tonight comes ahead of his first 100 days in office. And it's a mixed picture when it comes to stock performance in that time. Since Biden's inauguration, you got things like retail, steel, transports. They have dominated, all soaring on the, quote, reopened trade up more than 15 percent. Not so lucky, biotech, gold, and emerging markets all negative since the president took office. But Biden's short time in office also defined by big spending programs like we just talked about. And that is sparking fears of inflation. All of this as the Fed makes a call on interest rates today. Let's wrap it all together and bring in Stiefel, Chief Economist Lindsay Piegza. Lindsay, welcome. Good to see him. What do you expect, if anything, from the Federal Reserve today? Well, in terms of policy announcements, we don't expect much. We do expect the Fed to keep rates at this very low, very accommodative level and also continue their asset purchase program at the current $120 billion a month. What we could see, however, from the chairman during the press conference is a reiteration of this ongoing need for the Fed to continue to support the market despite the improvement that we've been seeing. We've seen vast gains in manufacturing, services, housing, the consumer, the labor market, and the Fed is likely to acknowledge these steps in the right direction. But at the same time, the chairman is likely to, again, reiterate that the recovery is far from complete and the market still needs needs this unprecedented support, still needs the Fed to keep their foot on the gas. Do you think it does? Well, I, I do think that at this point, the, the economy is still at a fragile state. The gains that we've seen thus far do uh, create the perfect short-term equation for growth. So when we talk about the expectations for GDP, we are looking for a very elevated level, 6 7% in the first quarter and continued that strong profile through the end of 2021. But the vast majority of the support for this elevated uh, return of activity has been government spending 
spending. We see that spike in consumer activity closely correlated with each of the rounds of direct payments, specifically under the Biden administration and the earlier Trump administration. And so what happens to the economy as we start to remove that punch bowl? And that's something that the Federal Reserve is concerned about. They're saying we're not going to remove support until we know that organic growth has taken hold. And to that end, I do think they're accurate that it's too soon to say that we have seen an organic recovery of activity strong enough to support the economy going forward, even without this uh, this massive government spending. But, but Lindsay, we have seen, and I have seen it firsthand in driving and flying around the country during the pandemic, that the underlying economy may have never fallen off the way many thought or predicted, which is a good thing, by the way. This is a, this is a time you want to be wrong. Obviously, hospitality, leisure, small business on Main Street, they got crushed. But the underlying economy seemed to only accelerate in many parts. Do you think that we perhaps as a whole overestimated the negative economic impact that COVID might have had? Well, I don't think we could have possibly accounted for the the unprecedented policy measures that we saw both from the Federal Reserve and the federal government that helped supplement that loss of activity during the worst of the crisis. But to your point, going forward, the best thing that we can expect is not further support from the Fed or the federal government, but a longer term reopening plan, allowing businesses to return to normal, allowing consumers to move back out into the marketplace. That's the trajectory that we need to head towards. And that's where we'll start to see the organic support for activity uh, return and return to a sustained level where we can start to remove the punch bowl. But right now, until we're allowed to reach that point, unfortunately, it does look like we are reliant on these artificial measures to keep us going. Well, maybe a little inflation, also not a bad thing, Lindsay P. Exit. By the way, at the end of the show, you're going to want to watch our RBI on all the things that are at near or record highs. Lindsay, awesome to have you back on. Thank you for joining us. Have a terrific day. Thank you. All right, you're welcome. Now, let's hit some of your big stories on this Wednesday. First up, India. The situation there continues to deteriorate as the country sees yet another day with more than 300,000 new COVID-19 cases. Many hospitals there are at or near capacity as vaccines, oxygen, and medical supplies, much needed, begin to arrive from around the world. India's seven-day average is now nearly one and a half times that of the rest of the emerging markets. Also happening today, regulators are reportedly looking at new rules to restrict growth projections made by SPACs. According to Reuters, the SEC is honing in on specific legal projections used by SPACs that protect against shareholder litigation. And new data from Dealogic on the breakneck pace of IPOs overall this year. According to the report, both deal numbers and deal values are at their highest level for the start to any year, going back at least two decades. Wow. All right, we are just getting started. And when we come back on this busy Wednesday, a major European bank shows what's possible when you're not caught in the thick of scandal after scandal, name to watch, revealed. Plus, on pens and needles, why shares of Pinterest are taking a nosedive in the pre-market. And later on, a new look at the global semiconductor shortage, China's market dominance, and three stocks that could help you play the difference. A very busy hour still ahead on Worldwide Exchange.
What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. All right, welcome back. Time now to check on some of this morning's big money movers. First up, Deutsche Bank. The German bank reporting its best quarterly profit in seven years. That is on lower costs and fewer loan losses due to the improving economy as growth slowly recovers from the pandemic. Next up, investors sticking a pin in Pinterest. The media company reporting first quarter revenue jumping 78%, beating its own guidance. But look at that. Shares are down 10.5% as user growth, particularly in the U.S., appears to be slowing. Pinterest says since the second quarter of last year, it has noticed a strong correlation between lockdowns and user engagement on its platform. Imagine that. You sit home and look at the Internet. Finally, Starbucks. Second quarter sales missing forecasts, even as the coffee chain raises its annual profit and revenue guidance on the expectation more customers will return as they get vaccinated. Starbucks sales says American sales have returned to pre-pandemic levels, although sales at locations in downtown areas are still lagging those in the suburbs. By the way, the CEO, Kevin Johnson, will join Squawk on the Street at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time today. All right, still on deck. Apple's hardware headache is the company reportedly slashes production on what was once its fastest-growing segment. Details when Worldwide Exchange returns with Dow Futures down 41. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. All right, welcome back. Well, the global semiconductor shortage continues to plague American business and consumers. And it's hitting across almost all sectors, like cars, technology, even home appliances like microwaves. Tesla called out the shortage in its recent earnings call saying the supply chain landscape remains, quote, difficult. Volkswagen, if you remember a couple of days ago, said the biggest problem that the challenge that the company is facing is the semiconductor shortage. For more on the global chip shortage and how investors should analyze it and maybe invest around it, we are joined by Scott Nations, president and chief investment officer of Nation Shares and a CNBC contributor. Scott, uh, it's a royal pain in the you-know-what. This semiconductor shortage, you want that product? Sorry, it's going to be a few months. We can't make it. We don't have semiconductors. But is there a way to ease the pain of the wait? 
by investing around it and maybe making a little money off of it? Uh, Brian, there is. And you have to focus on U.S. chip makers because while much of the worldwide chip supply comes from East Asia, China is not going to do us any favors, particularly given the sanctions on Huawei. They're actually hoarding chips. And so the global supply chain, including chips and and, uh, pork problems, are problems for nearly every automaker, every appliance maker. Yesterday, uh, when they announced earnings, Tesla uh, CEO Musk mentioned that the global supply chain was causing insane difficulties for the company. And it's not just Tesla. Uh, Ford CEO said it's the most difficult supply chain problem he's seen ever. And recently, Ford, uh, it's been estimated Ford is going to lose anywhere between one billion and two and a half billion dollars on their bottom line. This is a company that can't afford to shave a whole billion dollars or two billion dollars from their bottom line because of the global chip shortage. And, and Brian, they yeah. recently slowed production of their pickup trucks, which are insanely profitable. So Ford is slowing production of yeah, pickup and, trucks. And I think that's kind of what our audience, problem. our audience may not fully understand. You know, they, they hear about the semiconductor shortage, but maybe they don't fully get it. It's like this. If you want to buy one of the new F-150s, you got your eye on a new pickup truck and you go to the dealer and you sort of customize it, they may say, Mr. Nations, you got Yeah, we'll get you that truck. We'll get it to you by September. And you're thinking, wait, wait, wait a minute. I got money and I want to buy it now. Sorry, we've got a production backlog. That's the kind of stuff that's happening. And that's the kind of stuff that's going to hurt bottom lines. Uh, a- absolutely. But it's also going to fuel inflation, which is which is a problem. You know, it's also interesting, uh, Brian, that not only is this a problem for automakers and for appliance makers, uh, it's going to be a problem, as you pointed out, for everybody because of inflation. And Deloitte put out a report actually several years ago that says that 40 percent of the cost of a new car has to do with automotive electronics because of backup cameras, collision avoidance, all those problems. It's no longer tires or engines or anything like that. 40%, Brian, is coming from automotive electronics. Wow. And that tells you how difficult the problem is for somebody that can't get computer chips. Well, and the company we hardly ever talk about but is huge in auto is little old Texas Instruments. Is it not TXN? They've been around for decades, and they make a lot of that stuff, analog and digital, that goes into these cars. Are, Are they a good buy because of this, or does it hurt them? Well, Brian, if you're looking at the chip space here in the United States, you have to look at a company that makes a range of chips, not just memory chips or expensive microprocessors. So the companies I would look at, the, first, the three companies I would look at would be in probably in order would be uh, would be Intel and then Texas Instruments and then Microchip Technologies, MCHP, probably in that order. Intel has had plenty of problems, but it's dirt cheap on a P.E. basis. And this is going to be a situation, Brian, where even a company that's had some recent troubles is going to be able to make a lot of money as long as they can crank out some computer chips. Scott Nations, Nation shares microchip, TXN, and maybe a little Intel, the semiconductor shortage. When it hits trucks, Scott, you know it's real. Scott, we appreciate you coming on. Thank you very much. All right, take care. All right, straight ahead here on Worldwide Exchange, why this crypto coin is hitting all-time highs as Bitcoin continues to bounce along recent lows. Who is it? We'll tell you and show it to you coming up.
focus on the Fed, markets waiting and watching and wondering when the Fed may pull back ultra-low interest rates. Trillions of your dollars are at stake. You may find out today. Speaking of trillions, President Biden set to lay out the next leg of his ambitious spending plans. It's likely to include more tax hikes on higher-income families. And Microsoft and Google booking blockbuster quarters. But the stock's having very different reactions. Paul Meeks is here to dive into both numbers and what you need to know. It is Wednesday, April 28th, and this is Worldwide Exchange. Well, welcome or welcome back, everybody. It's exactly 5.30 Eastern time on the nose. Thanks for joining us here on Worldwide Exchange. Well, today is really all about three things. Three things. First, tonight, the president's big congressional address, trying to sell the country and maybe some members of his own party on his latest trillion-dollar spending plan. But it's also about the Federal Reserve and guidance from companies. Now, on the Fed, no one expects Jay Powell to change much, if anything. In fact, the wording of the statement could be exactly the same as the last one. The futures market saying it does not expect a rate hike from the Fed until 2023. We also have big-time earnings today. Companies like Boeing, Facebook, Apple, and Ford all out with their numbers. Now, ahead of this, the market waits and it watches. Futures are mixed, maybe slightly down on the Dow, slightly higher in the S&P 500. It's been a very slow couple of days, but that could all change today. Kind of the same story with bonds. Ten-year yields, up it's stuck, right around 1.6. They're about 1.64 right now, so not a big move there. Now, as with today's Fed meeting, it's pretty much exactly a decade since the Fed and Ben Bernanke first instituted a press conference that comes along with a rate decision. Remember, they used to just put out a statement that a decade ago, almost to the day, we started getting pressers. Well, as Steve Leisman and some of our other colleagues at CBC noted, since that first press conference, it's pretty pretty doggone good run for stocks and an amazing run for tech. Look at that. Since April 27, 2011, the first Fed presser. The Dow is up 170%. S&P up 211%. Not bad. But the NASDAQ is up nearly 500%. In other words, over the last 10 years, if you just blindly bought a NASDAQ ETF, never thought about it, just threw some money into a NASDAQ ETF and vanished for 10 years, and then opened up your statements, you've made nearly five times your money in that time. Of course, it's not just the Fed that's driven stocks higher, but easy money policies pushing a lot of money to growth stocks. And certainly, a lot of our viewers' wealth has grown in that time. All right, now to your top stories this morning. President Biden tonight set to unveil his ambitious American Families Plan to Congress. And Americans head to his 100th day in office today. In the address, the president will announce a new $1.8 trillion package of spending and tax cuts aimed at families and paid for by top earners. The package will include things like $200 billion for universal preschool, $109 billion for two years of free community college, $225 billion for a national paid family leave program. Proposal also covers $800 billion in tax cuts, effectively creating a universal basic income, making the larger earned income and dependents care credits permanent, but only extending the bigger child tax credit through the year 2025, although many in D.C. putting out reports that they expect that to be continued indefinitely. Those are some of the proposals 
We'll see what the reaction is tonight. Let's move on and talk cryptos. Ethereum is what we referred to before the break, hitting a new all-time high. Following reports of the European Investment Bank's plans to launch a digital bond sale on Ethereum's blockchain network. The European Investment Bank is the lending arm of the EU. According to reports, the EIB, as it's known, plans to issue a two-year, $100 million euro digital bond with the sale to be led by Goldman Sachs, Banco Santander, and Societe Generale. That sent Ether to its high of nearly $2,700.14. Right now, we're at $2,600 on Ether and Ethereum. We were at $1,200 just a couple of months ago. And AMC Entertainment is shifting gears on its plan to issue new stock. The company is now launching an effort to sell up to 43 million shares after announcing it was canceling its proposal to issue 500 million new shares. AMC continues to try to bolster its cash position amid efforts to recover from the pandemic. Big tech earnings continue to roll out with Google and Microsoft, the first to report. Now Alphabet, as it is formally known, crushing expectations. It posted sales growth of 34% year over year. The company almost doubled analyst expectations for earnings per share. Google did see a steep drop in ad spending at the onset of the COVID pandemic, but their continued growth could be a sign that tech could be on hold if some of the gains it has made over the past year go away. Joining us now is Paul Meeks, fund manager at the Wireless Fund. Paul, it's good to have you back on. Uh, Nice and early, by the way. Google, these numbers are huge. I mean, YouTube is almost the size of Netflix, I guess because everybody's at home and kids are watching YouTube because the parents are trying to get something done. Here, get on the iPad. I'm trying to get my job done. Are these numbers sustainable to you? I actually think uh, Google will continue to have a run, right? Um, The numbers uh, were, as you said, outstanding, and the expectations were high going into the print. But I do think with the reopening of the economy, which some folks don't uh, know this, but they should, that the uh, benefit for ad spending uh, is there. And so, yeah, I think that they'll have a couple of uh, quarters here at this uh, 30% plus level. And the nice thing about this stock relative to some of the other fangs is last year, even though it had decent performance uh, vis-a-vis the S&P 500, it did underperform most of the other fangs. And so its uh, valuation uh, coming into 2021 was less demanding, gave it more room for upside. Some of these other stocks had done so well, and their valuations are so expensive that they're really sensitive to any blemish at all in their quarterly reports. But I probably am, after last night's print, what I see going forward for Google, I probably uh, am the most bullish of the fangs in that name. Why? Oh, I just think that uh, there's still upside to the valuation. Some of the other ones are going to be harder to do that. And uh, the growth is fast and accelerating and even above pretty lofty expectations. All right, let's turn now to Microsoft. It is down a little bit in the pre-market. I mean, it's down a couple percent, but man, Paul, Microsoft has had a heck of a run. They beat on earnings. They beat on sales. The guidance was good. Cloud segment growing by 50%, 5-0% in the first quarter. Revenue growth up 19% year over year. The biggest increase since 2018. Market's not respecting it much, down a couple of percent, but I don't want to make too much of it. 
stock's been on an absolute monster tear. Are you surprised by this? I mean, Microsoft, can they keep this level of growth up? I mean, is that, are that many people using Excel or Bing or the Zoom music player? It's an excellent the question. One, now, one of the reasons cheap. that the stock looks like it's going to open down 2% now, albeit the stock was up 18% year to date in a market that was up 11. Um, because you think about it with the whole COVID and the remote work, remote play, remote study themes, that they've had a boom, unexpected boom in all things hardware. And so I think one of the things that we all have to wrestle with is do the good tidings continue at Microsoft? Because remember, before COVID, nobody invested in this company as a hardware story. But now PCs are booming. And can they continue to boom? I think uh, the PC uh, rebirth, let's call it, will have uh, some legs, but that's something to be concerned about. And also, folks look very closely at Azure, the public cloud business. And you're absolutely right. You know, it's growing 50%, but when it comes to these high value stocks, it's not uh, the change, it is the rate of change. And Azure, I know it sounds uh, unbelievable to say, is starting to slow somewhat. But when it comes to the public cloud, I think we've now seen that it's confirmed to be a three horse race with Amazon, Microsoft and uh, Google Cloud coming uh, quickly in third place. So I still like it. Yeah, uh, this you go to Microsoft, 50 to 45 uh, percent growth, Paul. I, I, I think a lot of companies would like to have that problem. Let's move on. Complete the trifecta, shall we? Those numbers are out. We are waiting for Apple. Their numbers are out today after the bell. They've got big expectations as well after posting their biggest quarter ever back in January. But one segment not looking as good, and that is AirPods, if anybody even cares. What are you watching for from Apple? What's going to be the key number tonight? I think as you look at uh, Apple, it's not only the overall numbers. Of course, they should be a slam dunk, up 50% uh, EPS growth, up over 30% revenue growth because they're comparing a very poor quarter from a year ago. But I again want to see how well do we do in some of these mundane or at least previously mundane businesses like uh, you know, Macs and uh, iPads because they're really – the driver as we roll out 5G and then continue our focus again on the iPhone. And I also want to see what are they saying? How are they pitching the new privacy measures with IS 14.5? Do you think that's going to drive sales though, Paul, to make the stock more viable because Apple seems a little more serious about privacy? When I say serious, I mean, maybe they're the only ones that care about it among the big technology companies. Is that going to move well, the needle on Apple, trying. make it more investable? Well, I actually do think that uh, they'll make the uh, case that this will be a driver, right? Out of all the major tech platforms, and maybe they're uniquely suited to be able to do this, and it might be disingenuous, it might be marketing spin, but uh, they are the safer platform. They are protecting your data. They are not a advertising-fueled business, uh, of course, you know, uh, that might be just bad-mouthing, essentially, indirectly, Facebook and Google. But uh, I do think uh, they'll try to make uh, quite a splash. And, of course, I think they do it at the end of the day to drive incremental sales, earnings, and cash flow. 
Paul Meeks, looking at Microsoft and Google and looking ahead to Apple tonight. I know you got a busy couple days, Paul. We appreciate you making some time for us. Thanks very much, buddy. Take care. Yes, sir. All right. Coming up, more on this morning's big money movers, including AMD and the positive outlook for the company amid the global semiconductor shortage. But first, as we head to break, here are some more headlines for you on this busy Wednesday. Verizon confirming network issues impacting calls for a lot of cell phone customers in Southern California. From L.A. to San Diego, a lot of people saying, hey, we could not get calls or texts in. They were dropping all yesterday afternoon. Verizon confirming that. Humana has agreed to buy out the portion of a home health care unit it does not already own from its private equity partners. The company announcing it will pay $5.7 billion for the 60% stake of Kindred at home that is currently held by TPG Capital as well as another equity firm. And the family of Samsung Electronics late chairman has announced it will be paying off a massive inheritance tax of more than $10 billion. The payment one of the largest in the history of South Korea. Hey, the history of the world will be paid out over a five-year period. How would you like to get a $10 billion tax bill? Wow. Dow futures flat, worldwide exchange back in just a moment. All right, welcome back and good Wednesday morning. It is time now for your daily COVID vaccination update. Well, there's some earnings on deck tonight. you got Boeing, Facebook, Ford, and Qualcomm out with their numbers as well. That's the pre-market move. All right, let's get the, the daily vaccination update. And the rollout continues to boom. More than 232 million shots have gone in American arms, which means almost 97 million Americans have been fully vaccinated. That is more than 37% of the adult population. Wow. And over 54% have received at least one dose, which a new study out yesterday shows is highly effective at reducing transmission. Just one shot. Also, cases continue to drop from their recent highs. And despite some scary headlines around Michigan and a few other states, nationally, hospitalizations, especially among the young, are not moving higher nationally. In a few select locations, they are. But overall, the trends of cases, hospitalizations, and fatalities are all moving in the right direction as the vaccination boom continues. All right, time now for a check on some of this morning's other big money movers. We got a second round of this, if you will. Stock number one, or stock number four, is Visa. Second quarter profit beating forecast, surge in online shopping, helping offset sluggish spending on travel. Visa's total payment volume rising 11%, the biggest jump since the beginning of the pandemic. Stock two, Texas Instruments, shares down even as the company posts better-than-expected first-quarter results, all on strong demand for semis. TI also raising revenue guidance for the second quarter. Stock three, AMD, another semiconductor company. Earnings, you got it. Are you seeing a trend? Beating forecasts, revenue nearly doubled. They hiked the revenue outlook for the year, betting on strong demand for its semiconductors used in data centers. CEO Lisa Su saying she's confident AMD will be able to source additional chips from its manufacturing partners despite a global supply shortage. She will be on Squawk on the Street. First on CNBC interview at 9.15 Eastern Time this morning. All right, coming up, we got a lot more to do. Your morning RBI and the higher prices you're paying for, well, just about everything. We have made an epic wall of inflation that you've got to see. We're going to list everything 
whose product prices are up, you're going to want to see it. And by the way, you're going to want to hear it. And if you haven't already, subscribe to our podcast, available on Spotify, Apple, and more. Check it out if you missed the show. No worries. Listen to the podcast. We're back after this. Financial education is fundamental. You have to be able to do the math, whether it's a huge negotiation or a huge contract or a huge business you're running or a small business you're running. You've got to be able to do the math immediately, in your head even. So financial education is fundamental to success, and it should start at a very young age for both boys and girls. Well, it is time for today's most random but interesting thing, or rather today, the most random but interesting things, plural, because there's been a lot of talk about higher prices for stuff lately and inflation and the Fed, and the Fed doesn't seem that concerned, and maybe it shouldn't be, but who knows how things will look in a year, right? Well, probably not the Fed, but that said, we thought it would be interesting to show you just a few of the things that are either at all-time highs in price or at least multi-year Highs in price. Are you ready? Because I'm going to blast through it. Here's your prices are at record or near record highs menu. Ready? New cars, used cars, new homes, old homes, semiconductor, lumber, steel, iron, ore, copper, corn, wheat, coffee, sugar, nickel, platinum, palladium, ships, shipping containers, and more. We just didn't have any more room on the wall. We could probably throw up any part of the supply chain. But like you can see, we ran out of space. So while all of this may just be short term, it's a real pain in the wallet for many companies, which means it might be a bigger pain in the wallet for you too, the consumer. 18 or more essential things. I mean, who doesn't need corn, copper, cars, homes, lumber, you name it, up at record or near record highs in price. Random but interesting and random but expensive. Let's get more on this, what it means for the markets, along maybe with new tax policies. We're joined now by Keith Lerner, Chief Market Strategist at Truist Advisory Services. Keith, what'd you think of that list? I could have kept going, but we literally, for the first time ever, ran out of space on our giant graphics wall. Well, first, Brian, great to be with you. It is a pretty wide list. And listen, these are things we're hearing anecdotally every day. I think we're all seeing it, even me personally. You know, I uh, I called up yesterday to, to get a refrigerator. They said, "Hey, see you in September when you when you can expect that to be delivered." So we're seeing that it is a short, uh, you know, it's a short-term supply issue because of the shutdowns we saw in uh, during the COVID uh, shutdown. I will say, you know, if you're looking at the more from a market perspective, we're starting, we're still seeing the forward earning estimates move forward. So that's telling us that at this point. Companies are able to pass through some of these costs. And if you're going to raise prices, probably no better time to do so when you have, you know, in excess of $2 trillion of savings and this, you know, $5 trillion of stimulus over the last year. Yeah. Okay. So let's tie. Look at that. New cars, used cars, nickel, platinum, palladium, mm-hmm. iron ore, copper, all the raw materials that go into things. We talk about, and, and by the way, our viewers are thinking, well, we don't care. We don't care about that stuff. It doesn't affect us. Yeah, it does, because companies, you don't think they're going to pass that along if they can. And that's key for stocks, is it not? Profit margins. And as long as they can, if their costs go up 10%, as long as they can pass on 10% or more to their customers or consumers, margins stay the same, markets are happy. 
Do the companies have the pricing power now, Keith, to do that, to keep margins and earnings stable? Well, I, I think certainly this is going to be a, a mixed bag, but overall, I would say the answer is yes. And again, we can see that by not just what I think, is, but what, what are the earning estimates in the industry analysts that look at these companies, um, you know, individually? And we're seeing those estimates move up. What's interesting uh, this year, Brian, is, you know, the market's up about 11 percent. The forward earning estimates are up about 11 percent year to date as well. And we're continuing to see forward guidance move higher. But again, I think it's, it's not going to be every sector. You're seeing places uh, that, you know, you may benefit from this. Think about industrials. Think about materials. Um, think about if you start to see these wage pressures lead to higher rates. What does that mean from a sector position? It's a lot different than last year. And you want to kind of be, you know, in the same path of these trends. So that's why we like, as I mentioned, materials, even, you know, financials as well and industrials that can help push through some of these prices and, and, and keep or maintain profitability. Yeah. Let's talk about something else, Keith, and that is taxes. You and your team did some excellent work, put out a note talking about tax policy as it pertains to the markets. And I know a lot of our audience right now, they're CEOs, they're CFOs, they're business owners. They, they, don't, they, they feel like maybe they're already doing their fair share. And people are worried that higher taxes may hurt stocks. The problem is you've proven not a lot of historical correlation between tax policy and the stock market. I know a lot of people aren't going to want to hear that, but history and the data says it's kind of true. Yeah, and we're, we're really fact-driven. And I will say, Brian, all the research we've done just shows a very tenuous relationship between uh, tax policy and the market. That doesn't mean that taxes don't matter. They do. But so many other factors matter as well. And we went through the history of this, and it's just really a mixed relationship. Now, you can go by decade, and you, look, you can look at one of the highest tax decades uh, of the last 70 years, which is the 50s. Great stock market performance, uh, great um, you know, economic growth, despite high taxes. And then you move to the 2000s, where you had very low taxes, but you had very weak uh, economy, and you had very weak stock market returns. And then even in the last decade, Brian, remember 2013, we raised taxes, a lot of consternation then. Um, but the market was up a lot. And then in 2018, we reduced taxes and the market moved sideways. And again, that, again, I'm not saying or we're not saying that taxes don't matter. It just means so many other factors matter. What evaluations? What is the Fed doing? Uh, what is the geopolitical climate? Where are we in the business cycle? And the business cycle tends to trump many of these other, uh, other factors. And we're still relatively yeah. early in this business cycle, in our view. And you think, Keith, you got to go. You think stocks overall can move higher from here? Yeah, but I definitely think it's going to be more of a two steps forward, one step back. And we are going to have some tensions between higher taxes, higher rates versus the better economy and earnings that we foresee. All right. Well said, Keith Lerner of Truist, doing some excellent work. Keith, we appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Have a spectacular day. Thanks. Sir. And folks, that does it for us here on Worldwide Exchange. You got the Federal Reserve later, the president and Congress tonight, a bunch of earnings out in between. It's going to be a big day. Keep it here on CNBC all day long. We'll see you tomorrow to wrap up everything that happens today. Tomorrow, Squawk Box and the gang are up now. Have a great day. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. 
FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. 